श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम सिंह कीर्तन की जय श्री श्री दौजी गोपाल की जय श्री ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जय श्री श्री वेणुगीत की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान गुड इवनिंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू धन्यवाद थैंक सो मच फॉर योर प्रेजेंस हियर ऑनलाइन एज वेल एंड वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग विद आवर सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स ऑन श्री वेणुगीता today we have our uh, eighth eighth meeting where we will be studying verse number 7 and today we are finally officially beginning with venugita if you will and the whole chapter as we say is called venugita but at the same time technically speaking the song of the gopis will be in uh, uh, from this verse on verse 7 till verse 19 so the chapter has 20 verses so the last verse will be some concluding remarks by sukadev goswami to parikshit but from this verse on till almost the end we will have darshan of the one of the song one of the venugitas as we mentioned no krishna plays flute in the forest that's a form of venugita the song of the flute but here we have another venugita the form of the song about the song of the flute if you will which is what the gopis will sing from the village in purvarag in separation from krishna that separation which anticipates with great longing the first uh, meeting but let's make some brief recap of our last uh, meeting which was yesterday we saw verse number 6 hmm, in which sila sukadev goswami is speaking to raj parikshit mentioned rajan hmm, or king again <laughs> and and describing how the young maidens the young ladies of braj the gopis when they heard the sound of krishna's flute which sarvabhutamanoharam which captivates or steals the minds of all living beings when they heard such a sound they all embraced one another and began describing the sound so after that now we'll start that description so this verse the one that we saw yesterday it begins with the word iti we mentioned that which is a term that means like thus or in this way which kind of connects what came before that word iti and what's coming all as well after that the term rajan is another similar expression to nripa as in previous verses sukadev addressed the king in that way being totally moved by how his student was uh, becoming more and more accomplished in his hearing and reaching the goal of his shravan and so on and then we also describe this idea of sarvabhuta manoharam which the sound of the flute being the thief of the minds of all living beings and how krishna himself is that thief and whatever associates with with him acquires that same dna some scars thief theft some scars so uh and well finally we concentrated mostly on describing the the situation of the gopis in their parakiyavab not being able to express their love in a free public stage and in this way in the, in, in the need of the situation they start to embrace one another giving support to each other that's one of the meanings of abirebire that they embraced or also due to their again their, their predicament basically we cannot just run and embrace krishna hmm? because everyone can do that except from us except for us or from us except for us except for us hmm? 
So everyone can laugh with him publicly, speak with him, embrace him, express their love to him, all of Vrindavan except for some unfortunate ladies called Brajagopikas. They lament in this way. <laughs> so they embrace giving support in that predicament or they embrace one another in the madness of their love, thinking the other gopi to be Krishna and embracing Krishna in their minds. Or they embrace one another by realizing this Swajatiya or how they were of the same nature and one of the gopis were feeling exactly the same thing as other gopi was feeling and expressing that in words and the other gopis say, how could you know my heart so well? I'm feeling the same thing and embracing each other. Or, in other words, they embraced Krishna through their words, through the Benu Gita that will come now. This is each one of the verses will be a form of gopis throwing their embraces to Krishna through song. Mm-hmm. Or they embrace Krishna in their hearts internally. Mm-hmm. Or they embrace the sound of the flute, mm-hmm. which were they were here in front of the village. So they embrace that in the innermost chamber of their hearts and so on. And we concluded last meeting with uh, sharing some nice pranam mantras from Sri Das Goswami's Brajavilas Taba, where he offers pranam to the flute, although he addresses in those verses the Morli and the Bamsi, and in this case we are speaking about the Veno, but the effects of all of them are quite applicable to what these pranam mantras were saying, especially in the context of breaking the man of Sri Radha. Remember, we share some Lila in which nothing worked, not even the jokes of Madhu Mangal, so that's a delicate situation. <laughs> So only the flute was the last resource, basically. Hmm? So, <clears throat> so again, today, after this, the, the gopis embraced one another and began describing their experience of the flute. So that's what we call Benu Gita. So today we will begin with, with that verse. And also, as we already, I think I mentioned, with this we are beginning the section of the Bhagavatam of the 10th canto, in which Sukadev Goswami more officially starts to unfold the Madhurya Rasa, uh, orbit of the Bhagavatam. As Guru Mahesh always mentions, the beginning part revolves around Batsalya Bhav with Dhamudar Lila and, and other similar pastimes of the Kumar age. Then the second center, if you will, of the tenth canto revolves around Sakya Bhav with Lilas as the one we are hearing in the mornings, Brahma Vimohan Lila and so on. And the third circle is the Madhurya Rasa circle, which revolves he ultimately converges into the five chapters of the Rasa Lila, but builds up to that in the form of previous chapters, such as this one, the one of of the Venu Gita, and other Gitas as well as we know. So, let's begin with the first verse of the Venu Gita, which is the, remember, the seventh verse of the chapter. And it's a very well-known verse also. In this Venu Gita we will find some uh, worthy of memorizing shlokas. No? So, <laughs> I have be ready for training your neurons. So this, in this Pranam Mantra, from now on, the meter changes again, and all the verses of the Venu Gita will be all of them in the same uh, meter from now on. We will see. <clears throat> so, basically in this verse, the Gopis will describe how to contemplate the beautiful faces of the sons, sons of the King of Braj constitutes the perfection of the Aik basically. So the chanda, or the meter, is called Basanta Tilak. As, we, as I mentioned, there are different chandas, or meters, for each verse. And they have a particular name. So this is called Basanta Tilak. So this will be included in... Sorry? Is it like a spring tilak, or what 
Yeah, like some form of spring marking or something. Although we are in autumn here, but again, the gopis are in spring because the spring is the season of Madhava and love. And so we, we mentioned that also before already. You know? So with Krishna's entering the forest, everything became spring-like. You know? He's a very istadev of, of, of spring. So it can applicable in that sense. The song will be pronounced in the spirit of a classical romanticism that so much characterizes spring season <laughs> so I, I, we, we can recite the, the mantra and, and then we will go to the purport and so on so it begins with a few words putting in context that up from now on the gopis will be the ones speaking directly no? because before it was Sukadev to Parikshit and now Sukadev is telling to Parikshit what the gopis say so it, let's take shelter in Tambura for a moment <laughs> Sri Gopya Uchu Akshambatam Palamidam Naparam Vidamaham Sakya Pasun Anu Vibeshayatur Bayashyahi Bhaktram Brajasasutayorana Venu Justam Yairvani Pitam Manurakta Kataksha Moksham So, meaning says like this. <clears throat> The cowherd girl said, O oh friends, those eyes that see the beautiful faces of the sons of Maharaj Nanda are certainly fortunate. As these two sons enter the forest, surrounded by their friends, driving the cows before them, they hold their flutes to their mouths and glance lovingly upon the residence of Brindavan. For those who have eyes we think there is no greater object of vision. <laughs> so interestingly, we are in, in, in the beginning of the immersion of Madhurya Ras section, but Sakya Ras appears there to assist the whole equation. And we will see in which different forms. No? So here the gopis are basically mentioning. Hmm? For those who have eyes, they have this saying in English, no? The apple of my eye, they say. So, Krishna Balar, oh, the apple of my eyes, all right. So let's go a little bit quickly through word by word meaning and then we will unpack a little bit the implications of them. So Sri Gopya Uchuhu means the gopis said, Akshambat Batam Palamidam Naparam Vidhama. So Akshambatam means of those who have eyes, no? Iksha. So, Akshan Batam means those who have eyes, of those who have eyes. Palam, Palam means fruit or, or, or ultimate reward, like the ultimate thing to attain. Idam, this, we will see here interestingly, the gopis start, of course, as usual, to speak indirectly. So, strictly speaking, we will see they are not mentioning the names of Krishna Balaram directly, and they will only reveal the main point of their verse in the last section. So gradually they will speak about so many things, but you don't know who they are speaking about, and finally it converges into the object of their description. That's how it works in many verses in Sanskrit. So they say this to begin, this. I say, what's what's this? No, this. Idam, <laughs> this. Na param vidamaha. Na means not, param means other, and vidamaha means we know. So we don't know, apart from this, <laughs> Till now nobody knows what they are speaking about. Apart from this, we don't know any other 
ultimate object for one's eyes. So imagine if I start the, the sentence to you like that. Apart from this, we don't know anything else that is the ultimate treasure from our heart. The only question you have in your mind is, what's that? What's that idam? This, this. <laughs> so then they start to gradually unfold the meaning of idam or this. They say, Sakya, all friends. In this case, the gopis are speaking among, among each other. So the Sakya also can be applied to female friends. Pasun anubive sayator bayasya. So pasur anubive sayator means like making the cows enter one forest into another. And bayasya means with their friends of the same age. Bayasya means friends but a similar age. So here she's starting to describe. Still, she's, they are not saying Krishna Bala or nothing like that. They are just speaking about someone. Was, who is along accompanied by some friends of the same age which are causing the cows to enter different forests. So you see how is the DNA of the gopis in their paroksha psychology. They cannot avoid but trying to express in crooked terms and hide, hide their bhav. Even they are speaking among themselves as intimate circle. <laughs> so that's the second line. And the third line starts to unfold a little bit more. Bhaktram which means the faces, so then starts to unfold. What's this? Idam. The background, the faces of Brajesa Sutayo. Braja Isha Sutayo. Braja means Vrindavan. Isha means like the master of Vrindavan. In this case, will be the king of Vrindavan. And Sutayo is a plural for Sutta. Sutta means like son. Sutayo means the sons. So the sons of the king of Raj. They are not saying Krishna Valaram. <laughs> They won't mention the name directly again. They're saying the sons of the king of Raj. Of course, we know who they are. <laughs> but they are taking resort shelter in, in Parokshubad. So, the faces of these songs of the king of Raj, Anabhenu Justam. So, Anabhenu Justam means possessed of flutes. Or they possess flutes. No, they are with flutes. And the last line, Jairvani Pitama Nuraksha, Anurakta Kataksha Moksha. So Jair Ba, Jair means by which, Ba means or, Nipitam means like continuously drunk, drunk in like a verb, no? like drinking. They won't use the term to see, but we will explain why they use just the term to drink, no? the, the, the particular sin. Anurakta, Kataksha, Moksha. So Anurakta means loving with Anurag. Kataksha means, uh, how do you say in English, side long glances. Not direct, but side long glances. Hmm? And mokshan. Mokshan in this case means like releasing. To release side long glances full of affection. Hmm? Like comparing they, their faces are releasing those type of arrows, if you will. Hmm? Yeah, sometimes they are, this is a poetic analogy, no? like the eye eyebrows are like the how do you call the bow? Bow, bow. They always make the same mistake. <laughs> and the glances are like the arrows. No? So generally, those are the types of symbolisms that accompany this. So basically, that's a little bit the the word by word description of this verse, where the gopis again indirectly are praising the beauty of the face of these two sons of the king of Raj, entering the forest as they do with their friends and animals and playing the flute, and saying. There's no higher object of vision. I mean, if, if someone has eyes, you ultimately is to contemplate this scene. If they do not reach that point, the perfection of their eyes, 
still yet to come, basically. <laughs> so let's try to unpack a little bit the content of this verse. Uh, I don't know if I will finish in one class, or maybe it's a little bit longer than usual, with blessings of course and We need you giving blessings there. You just give blessings. Thanks. <laughs> Do not say that twice. That may be dangerous. But yeah, thanks for your blessing. So, Gopiao to who? Let's begin by the first term, which puts in context the conversation. The Gopi said, and of course we already know that in the previous verse, they say, and the Gopis began to sing. So, Sukadev Goswami is sharing with Pariksit Maharaj what the Gopis say. So, it's not that he's having like, I don't know, there he's with the cell phone speaking with the Gopis and hearing what they are singing and repeating, but he's visualizing all, all the situation is in the, through the lens of samadhi, basically. Hmm? So like like when you, how do you connect? Oh, when you uh, you connect to a radio, and how do you call when you move to, tune. in Spanish, tune, tune, tune. tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are, if you are tuning in the same frequency, that something is, someone is saying something, you will hear that same thing. No? So in this case, we are speaking about, Samadhi radio, basically. <laughs> so the gopis are singing from the platform of samadhi. Samadhi means perfect meditation, sam, samadhi, among other meanings. So it's not that Sukadev Goswami is just speculating. Look, oh, let's see how what the gopis must be singing, and I will share that with Parikshit. I will let my imagination flow a little bit. No, he's not saying that. No, he's entering into samadhi, tuning into that particular frequency of bhava, of realization and sharing his vision. Like the same thing that the Goswamis are doing in the commentaries of the Bhagavatam. It's not just like they're writing what they feel inspired in the moment in, in a mental sense. Of course, what they feel inspired in the moment, but the inspiration comes from, <laughs> from Samadhi. Samadhi Bhasha, sometimes it is said. Bhasha means like the, the language. That's how the Bhagavatam was written by Vyasadeva, Samadhi Bhasha. That's how he transplanted that into Sukadeva and so on, the samadhi chain continues. So, so this, this is the samadhi of the song of the gopis, the gopis sing in samadhi, Sukadev replicates the song in samadhi, and of course for we to enter into this type of narrative ultimately fully, we are to enter into samadhi as well, as Guru Mahesh will say. If you want to enter and live in the Bhagavatam forever, that's a book written in samadhi. So if you want to enter, to really enter the book, because it's not just a book, it's a portal uh, made of samadhi, you have to enter, you have to become yourself of that same substance, if you will, of samadhi. In the beginning, instead of, of samadhi, radio frequency will maybe more in another type of radio frequency, when mental noise and stuff like this. So gradually, through sadhana and mercy and grace, Everything is becoming Chetudarpuna Marjanam and so on. And gradually we all develop the, the Ike, the Samadhi Ike. Premanjana Churita Bhakti Vilo Chanena, Sri Brahmaji says in his Samhita. By having the Ike anointed with the salve of, of divine love, you can see all the things basically. If, if you don't have Samadhi, if you don't have that Ike of love, Krishna may be in your face, but you are not seeing, you are not having Krishna Darshan, basically. Krishna Darshan Alalasa, as the Gopi Gita begins, finishes saying, Krishna Darshan Alalasa. The, the Gopis have Darshan of Krishna because of Lalasa. They were full of longing, full of love. But when 
I don't know, Kamsa, Jarasandha, they saw Krishna, but they didn't have darshan of Krishna. That's another thing. Darshan has to do with someone else showing its real face, his her real face to you. You have darshan. So when we go to the altar, we say, I'll have darshan of Dauji Gopal. Actually, we are hoping to have darshan because it's not depending on my eyes. I put my eyes in front of them and this is warranty of darshan. No, the eyes are are not the all in all in terms of darshan. So we have so many asuras meeting Krishna face to face but not having darshan. They want to kill him. No? As Guru Raj was the other day asking this verse from the Gita, Vajananti Mahishwara. He says in the ninth chapter, fools derive me when I appear in this world in a human-like form, they cannot acknowledge my supremacy above all that exists. And on the contrary, <laughs> you may have some sadhus who do not have eyes to see, literally, these ones, but they have the other one and they can see. Bilba Mangala Thakur, for example. At one point he blinded himself. Intense story. We won't tell it now, it's not the moment, but at one point he was blind. And after his blindness, he received division, he received Krishna Darshan. So he didn't have eyes to see Krishna, but he had the eye to see Krishna. Like the famous section also in the Mahabharata, the Guru sometimes tells when Krishna showed universal form with Duryodhana want to attack him, and Krishna expanded in a way like saying, Okay, you want to tie me? Let's see where, where you want to begin. Now because you have universal form, it's like, No beginning, no end. Where, where do I, where I try to. <laughs> And Dhritarashtra, who was Duryodhana's father, heard the whole situation and Krishna showing universal form and it's such an astonishing darshan. <laughs> and he wanted to see, but he was blind. So he asked Krishna, please, I'm blind, I cannot see, give me eyes to see you. And what did Krishna say to him? He said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to give you eyes. If I tell you, see me, you see me. You will see me immediately. It's not just about giving you eyes, restoring your vision. I say, see me, and that's all. My grace is granting the vision, and that's how it happened. There are many cases like this. Like Bilba Mangala Thakur, there's a famous Hindu poet, maybe you have heard the poet, called Surdas also. Another lineage, but very famous in India. And he was also, he was born blind. And he had different darshans. It's very nice, his life story also. So we have these examples. Some people who do not have eyes, but have vision, are seers, no? darshins, Krishna says in the Gita. No? Tattva darshinaha. You have to become a darshin. A vision, someone who has darshan becomes a darshin. And you don't need to have these eyes for that. Sometimes these eyes constitute more distraction than a, a vehicle for real vision. <laughs> no? I'm, not, I'm not proposing follow the footsteps of Bilbo Mangala Thakur, but, <laughs> but the point is, Real darshan has nothing to do with this, any of these senses. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nababret Grahyam Indriyai says. Sivon Mukhehi Jivadasayam Evashpuratana. Krishna said, with any of these senses, you can really actually perceive the transcendental plane. So many verses are in Shastra. With these senses, you cannot see Krishna, but. You have senses, so you have to do something with them. So by using those senses in the country of bhakti, that will invoke the necessary grace to have real darshan. So, I don't want to get stuck in the first two words of the verse. We didn't have even officially begun. 
But Sri Gopi Ochuhu, so Sri Kadev Goswami is a Gopi saint, but he is again having darshan, samadhi, seeing what the Gopis are seeing. So we are trying also to pray to enter into that current. So remember, this scene is the Gopis are in seclusion in their in the village, not in the forest with Krishna. In the village, probably in the, some of them in their ho- in the homes. It is say that they have some rooms where the boga was there. So some of them will get together at times and cry and embrace each other in separation from Krishna because they couldn't do that in in the open home with all the rest of the family members. So they will get in some hide corner in the house and experience in trance, in separation, all that's going on in separate in the distance Krishna is doing in the forest and so on. Mm-hmm. So again, the Gopis are expressing this, looking at the path where Krishna left for the forest, that's where the eyes always are. Krishna left in that direction, they're just waiting for him to return and so on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the stage that they are describing in this verse can also apply to when Krishna, Balaram, the friends are returning from the forest. Mm-hmm. These, these are two like very emotional, crucial moments in the daily dynamics of the gopis. Krishna and, the go- and, and his friends leaving for Gocharana Lila and returning. Mm. So, in one point this verse can apply to the to any of the two moments actually. Mm. Although mostly we are in the Purban and Lila here, but one can extend the idea to their return. Mm. Mm. So remember, all of the Brajavasis go there, greet Krishna, Balaram, the friends, when they are leaving, embrace, just so that it's spoiling them further and putting so much things and kavacha and food and crying and, and everyone is praising and looking without blinking but the gopis they cannot do anything of those things they have to be hiding behind and looking without anyone noticing that no we gave the example yesterday of the, the, the their hidden love as a pressure cooker mm-hmm. no? like it seems nothing is happening nothing is happening nothing is happening but inside something something <laughs> the real thing is happening and suddenly no, the whistles come in the form of Benu Git or these other Gitas. So, so this is the point. The Gopis are trying to keep that, but as soon as they hear the Benu Na, the sound of the flute, with their eyes of Bhava, they start to see in the distance what's going on here, and they become totally overwhelmed by this, uh, by this scene, and they start to describe it in Parokshavad. So, according to some Acharyas. Uh, each verse of the Venugita is spoken by a different gopi to some acharyas. Not every acharya agreed. So the, here we enter this interesting, diverse land. No? Some will say every single verse of the Venugita, which are 13, if I'm not mistaken, is spoken by a different gopi, belonging probably to different groups as well. But Sanatan Goswami, for example, he mentioned no, all the gopis are singing all the Venugita in unison, all together. <laughs> and Jiva Goswami say, no, different groups of gopis are speaking different groups of verses. And he ascribes the first five verses to a particular group, and so on. So, I leave that to you to accommodate and reconcile in your heart. No problem. We can live with that, I think. <laughs> so before trying to explain a little bit what the verse is about, I'd like to share, because... Generally, it's classical that when Sanatana Goswami or any of our acharyas begin their comment, commentary on this type of sections, like Benu Gita's starting or any other, they will invoke some like Mangala Charan in their commentary before starting to comment on those sections. Because they acknowledge, oh, this is a serious issue here. This part is very important. I need some blessings. So, 
I'll share one Pranam Mantra, the one that Sanatan Goswami is, is invoking before his commentary on Benugita as a form of Mangala Charan. He said, Jasam Buddhyati Bhaggartu Yasameva Prasadataha Gopi Prapadita Jabi Sagambirasayo Jitaha. So he says, I take shelter of the gopis, by whose grace the sense of their speech is understood, and by whom he whose intentions are intentions are deep was won over. So this is the Pranam Mantra of Mangalacharan of Sri Sanatan Prabhu, for him pranam to the gopis, by whose grace we can understand whatever they are saying. Without their grace, and he's trying not only to understand, but to comment on that. So for that you need first to understand what's that about. In other words, without the grace of the gopis, it's impossible to understand the words they are speaking, this Benu Gita. And that's why not only Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravarta, all of them are composing their Mangala Charam, praying for their blessings. <clears throat> so let me share with you Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary, Sarartha Darshini, before commenting on the sac- sections of the verse, he gives like a, the substance of the verse, like the gist of it all. So he says, no, paraphrasing the gopis speaking to each other, Sakis, you abiding here in your homes, which are shackles, are not giving your eyes and other senses bestowed by the Creator a chance to become successful. So today, you should quickly go from here to the forest, make the real sweet thing come in the range of your senses, and let your lives be a success. <laughs> this is the background to, to what this verse is speaking about. No one go be telling to other, what are you doing here in, at your house? You are not allowing your senses to attain full success. The Creator gave you eyes, those eyes are to contemplate this particular sin so quickly go to the forest. Now they are given enthusiasm, support one another. So, <clears throat> again, as we mentioned, the gopis do not begin immediately describing what this verse is about, because in their nature, in their ecstatic, um, how to say, dilemma, if you will, they are Hearing the sound of the flute, as we know, by the sound of the flute, the form of Krishna is revealed, his qualities, like Nam, Rupa, Guna, Lila. If you want, we can connect the, the flute with Nam, because it connect, the name is not different from the sound of the flute. And this way, as Nam reveals Rupa, Guna, Lila, the gopis are hearing the Nam-like flute, <laughs> and immediately in, in the eyes of their minds come the form of Krishna, his qualities, his pastimes, and so many other endearing aspects of the object of their love, that they feel this will this is the only thing that makes our eyes worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So, but they are so wonderstruck and astonished by contemplating that with such with the prem they have that they cannot articulate all that is happening in them. Just say idham, idham, which means again this, this, this. They cannot go beyond that for a moment. <laughs> This is the success for one eyes, and again, one is like, "What's that? What's the word this? What do you mean by this? This?" Because they are contemplating all that inside. No, they are relishing all that reality. This, yes, this. Oh, yes, this. <laughs> and of course, they understand each other what they are speaking about because all of them are again tuned into that frequency. But for a moment, overflowing in bhav, they are not able to. 
to enter into details. As we will see, even in the whole verse, still the idea is unfolding. In the next verse, it will be unfolded a little bit more, and so on. So, again, they say this is the successful one. So I can, for a moment, some commentators said they throw strokes up in the middle of the verse. It's not even in between verses, but in the, after first line of the verse, pause. This is the success of one's eyes. They cannot say more for a, for a moment. And then, eventually, they regain little strength and they can continue speaking. <laughs> and again, we will see, they, are, they will be speaking in so, so much uh, level, so many levels of indirect speech. So many levels, interestingly. Sometimes another word for, for Parok Shabbat or indirect speech is Dwani. Dwani. This is more technical term in the language of aesthetics. Uh, and Dwani, again, means like also like implied meaning or suggestion. Like I'm saying something that overtly is not clear, but it's suggested that points in some direction. But also, and Rasa, especially for expressing Rasa, sacred aesthetic rapture, in Dardic language is, is, is very appropriate. But there are many, like, like layers of, of this. No, you have Dwani, then you have something called uh, Anodhvani, and then you have something called Pratidhvani. Uh, so it's like the implication inside implication inside implication. Uh, there are degrees and levels where the indirect implication, Dhvani, then you have the implication again inside implication. I mean, this required Adhikar. Uh, if one is not trained into how to understand those things, you may not... I mean, it's so indirect <laughs> that you may just think, that it is directly speaking about something, while actually super indirectly speaking about something else. <laughs> but one has to be trained into the into the mysteries of that language. And then again, pratidwani, which is implication inside implication inside implication. Many books of the Goswami, especially in their Rasa Shastras, they are full of that. If you read Lalita Malava, Vidagda Malava, it's like, oh my God. It's so indirect that it takes time to, to really follow what they're actually trying to say about because <laughs> it's not direct at all. It's like the more indirect they can be, the more rasa they are relishing, basically. That's basically the move. That's the nature of, of rasa kata. That's it's most pleasing to Krishna. Krishna says, Paroksha Mamachapriyam. I love indirect speech. So the gopis say, Well, if he loves indirect speech, let's make our speech as indirect as possible. <laughs> No? Because that's how we can please him the most. They want to please him the most. So the most indirect they can express themselves, the most pleasure for Hari. Hmm. Hmm. And of course, I'm mentioning only three levels: Dwani, Anudwani, Pratidwani. But it's not limited to just three levels. There are unlimited layers for this, hmm. especially in the Bhagavatam. This is full of that. One of the three languages of the Bhagavatam is Kabi or poetry, and poetry has a lot to do with this. Hmm. But generally to say that very skilled poets can mostly express themselves in these three levels. But some empowered personality, can, like the gopis, can go even beyond that ordinary, which is already extraordinary <laughs> standard. So again, in this verse, the gopis will express this type of thing. They will speak in terms of abahita bhav. I also use that expression. Just for you to know, it means the same. Abahita bhav means conceal the tendency to conceal one's emotions you are feeling something but you have a tendency to conceal it hmm? to hide your love hmm? so again they are saying this 
they are not immediately saying what's all it, it's all about. And at the end of the verse, they're, they're just clarify. In, in English, this does not exist. Basically, no? in English, if you say the sentence, you will have you have you will say, I don't know, my grandmother is the person who did this. But in Sanskrit, in these particular terms, you will say all that she did, and at the end, you will say who was the person who did all that. Like the famous, I don't know, there are many examples of this Pranam Mantra to Mahaprabhu. Even it doesn't have to necessarily be the Abhahita Bhav of the Gopis, it can be just com composition. Anarpita Charim Chirat Karunayavatirnakalo Samarpaitum Natojpalarasan Sabakti Sriyam Haripurata Sundara Dyuti Kadamba Sandipita Sadahari Dayekan Dareshpura Tova Sachinandana. Just the last words of the verse is saying who the whole verse is speaking about. First saying, he who no, gave that thing that is nobody never given no, came into the Kali Yuga and is giving this full, most brilliant type of love and he's endowed with this particular color. May he roar in the cave of my heart. That's a Chinatman. <laughs> so by the end of the last line you have you are on the border of your seats, like who is this verse about? No, this is, this is something something similar. Sanatan Goswami, in his purport, says something like this. He says, when the mention of Idam, again, this word, this, he says, the mention of Idam is, at first, is due to the inappropriateness of immediately revealing, at the outset, the meaning about to be saved. It's not proper, according to the situation. And what's that about to be saved? The form of the topmost prize, since it is most confidential. Rahasim. Or, Tanatha Goswami said, another most pleasing version to him, it is because of the inability of the gopis to point out a detail of it at once on account of helplessness due to, the, to an upsurge of profuse love for him who overwhelms the heart. So that's even, he, he's more convinced with that argument, it seems. Like, no, like we mentioned, they want to say, but something happened in between and they were not able to continue speaking. Hmm. In, in, in his Gopal Shampoo Srila Jiva Goswami says in this line also, and, and here we, we start to speak about a little bit the, the ideas, the ingredients of the verse and the presence of, of Balaram there, as one of the two sons of the king of, of Braj. So he said that the gopis began to describe Krishna with incomplete words to begin with. No, They were not being shy to reveal their love. They were actually describing Krishna while indicating Balaram also. So now it comes the real sense of the verse. Because actually this verse is not about Balaram at all. <laughs> For the gopis. No? I mean, they are using Balaram with all respect <laughs> as a very important, useful tool and device to take the attention of everyone in Brindavan. Okay, they are singing about Krishna and Balaram. It's nice, everyone sings about them. It's okay. But actually, they are pointed. They are one pointed in Krishna because all of these gopis are not part of the gopis who are in love with Balaram, for example, and who had Brasilila with him. Here we are. We have the Krishna Paksha gopis, the one inclined to Krishna, if you will. So, to begin, but but we will go there in, in a minute. No, to begin with, they are not saying Krishna Balaram straight. Even again, they are saying Brajasa Sutta, Sutayo, the sons of the king of Raj. 
which again, who are those two? Krishna and Balaram. Of course, technically speaking, one could say Balaram is son of Vasudev. But here we are speaking, he's like, how is it in English? Foster? Foster, son of, of Nanda Maharaj. And, and everyone in Vrindavan feels Balaram is the son of Nanda. It's, it's a matter of Bhava. Well, that, that's how it works in Vrindavan, interestingly. No? It works, it's not, in, in this world, it's the opposite. I think we mentioned this idea. In this world, you have a relationship first, and then comes the feeling. No? Like, he's your brother. You should love him. <laughs> no. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> because he's my brother. I suppose I have to love him. No. But first is the relationship. He's your brother. He, she's your mother. So it's, it is expected from you that you love them. But in Vrindavan it's the opposite. They love each other in such a way that she's your mother. And he's your brother. Even though he's not, technically speaking. In one sense, technically speaking, what could make the case? Balaram is not the brother of Krishna. In one sense. But if I ask you who is Balaram in relation to Krishna, I won't say brother. No, no doubt about that. No. <laughs> because again, in Vrindavan, first is the bhava, the feeling, and according to how I feel, that's the, rela- the relationship is established according to that. Mm-hmm. If you want to think of Krishna as being born in Mathura, as, as there is scope for that on one level, and try to go and go to Yashoda and try to convince her about that. No. <laughs> He is not your son. <laughs> Be ready for that. You see what happened with Uddhava when he tried to suggest some, some notions about that. So again, the gopis will start to... <clears throat> These gopis again are attracted to Krishna exclusively. And Balaram, as we know, he's the, he's the Auji. He's the elder brother. So his presence actually inhibits the expression of Madhurya Bhav. So in one sense, the presence of the elder brother is not facilitating Madhurya Bhav in one sense, but in another sense, we are seeing how how it can, how the gopis take advantage of, of Balaram's presence. In this, again, they cannot just run and embrace Krishna in front of Balaram. That that will be Rasavas. It's not happening in the Lila. You never will see Krishna was there with Balaram and enjoying with the gopis. No, and that's why you cannot have Balaram in the same altar with with Radha and Krishna. Because Shirada will feel inhibited because she has also Batsalia feelings for Balaram. Balaram is like a like an elderly figure, as Guru will say, despite he's only eight years, eight days older than Krishna. <laughs> but just so that has projected such a such an identification as an, an Abhiman, you are the elder brother, you are the elder brother that everyone be, believes that and he himself, okay, I'm the Mariat Purusha have to protect Krishna and so on. So the gopis here are attracted to Krishna, but they know our mothers, parents, mothers-in-law, in-laws will disapprove our romantic attraction to Krishna. Many of them are already married. So again, to hide their feelings, they will speak in universal terms. Akshambhatam phalam, referring to Krishna Balaram. This is the goal for everyone who has eyes. So they are not saying this is a goal for us gopis. For everyone who has eyes, oh, this is the, the ultimate treasure to see. So they are including everyone there, as to try to conceal their their own specific attraction. <laughs> and they're putting Balaram in the equation, to, to, to dissolve a little bit more even the, 
the suspicion of whoever may be there, like, what are you singing about? What's, what are you saying about? So that will be like one superficial meaning of the verse. I mean, one can understand the verse in that generic sense. Okay, the gopis are expressing how this state, scenario, Krishna Bala and the friends is the topmost prize for all eyes to see. It's like the more generic verse interpretation of the verse. But again, we know that the gopis here have a particular feeling in mind, very specific. So we will see that. But here, again, to begin with, the gopis are saying, these faces are giving bliss to the whole of Vrindavan, even to the birds, to the beasts, to everyone. But, again, the implication in their particular case, although they are not saying they are giving joy to everyone because everyone can see them, but not us. We are forbidden to have openly that darshan. We are staying in our houses far away while all these species in the forest are drinking such beautiful darshan. <clears throat> Also, there is some hidden meaning in the in the, in the quote in the phrase, "Bhaktram Brajesa Sutayo." Bhaktram means face, and Brajesa Sutayo means the sons of the king of of, of Brindavan. It is said, technically speaking, in, in, in Indian culture, a wife will never address her um, father-in-law directly by name. Before they won't call, hey Nanda, or Nanda, but they will call Brajesh, O King of Vrindavan. Of course, the gopis are not married to Krishna; they're married to someone else. <laughs> but that's their bhav, that's their feeling. Swaki, they are in parakia, which means to belong to someone else. But in essence, they are swakia, means we belong to him; we don't belong to anyone else. For the sake of Lila, we externally have a so-called husband and all this stuff. But how they feel internally is, mm. Krishna's our husband. Nobody else is. No? And Krishna accepts them in, in that thing. So that's why they address Nanda Maharaj's indirectly, not by direct, by implying, oh, he's the father of our husband. Or, 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 or the one who we will like to be our husband, if you will, something like that. Hmm? So we will see how this, this mantra, and also the, the next one we will see next class, somehow is a very appropriate mantra where that someone who has affinity towards Madhurya Bhav or Manjari Bhav can use for offering pranam to, to Krishna Balaram. Because one may ask, no, okay, oh, if I have an affinity for, for Madhurya Bhav, how, how do I offer pranam to Krishna Balaram in a way that is nourishing my affinity? So this is some some options. We will see how the, the ultimate meaning of this verse and the next one unfolds. So the word Bhaktram means face and it's in singular. So also the meaning can be Bhaktram Brajesa Sutayo. Brajesa Sutayo is in plural, the sons of the king of Vrindavan. But Bhaktram is the face. So it could mean that face among the two. No? Among the sons of the king of Braj, Bhaktram, one face implying the gopis are not looking at Balaram's face. No, they are pointing to one face. They're, again, invoking Balaram's presence to no? conceal a little bit bond. No? So that particular face, mm -hmm. we are attracted in that direction, even we shouldn't, again, so they have to hide. As Guru Maharaj will say, the gopis have 1,000 and, 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 or more reasons not to go behind the sound of the flute. No? They have 
things to do at home, they have a family, they have duty, they have position in society. They should not. But nonetheless, they are going. And we have thousand and eight reasons to go behind Krishna's call, but we are not going still. <laughs> so that's a little bit the gap between us and the Brajavasi. Need to see the Brajavasi. So gradually we have to bridge that gap. No? Mm-hmm. So let me share some words from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. His, in his comment, his, as is usual in many of his commentaries, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is creates, creating some extra dialogues in between each verse. No? It's conversations that are the background to any particular verse. So he says, One gopi said, Yes, let us see, touch, hear, and smell Krishna. But how is it possible since we are so shy? Another gopi replied, that face releases sidelong glances, kataksha moksham, remember, upon anyone who becomes lovingly atta- attracted, anurakta, to him. So Krishna will search you out and release the arrow of his enchanting glance. When it strikes, you will become agitated with love, forget all your shyness, and abandon your self-control. Then you will look without shyness on that face. This is very interesting. It is many times it is described that sometimes Krishna is coming and Sri Radha wants to see Krishna and wants to drink his beauty with fully without interruption, as we will see without eyelids <laughs> and many verses in Shastra about that. But somehow sometimes somehow shyness is capturing her. Sometimes even poetically it is described as this the goddess of shyness, Laja Devi. Laja means shyness. Sometimes described as Laja Devi is Capturing her and, and Sri Radha in her inner core starts to pray, to do mental manasa puja of Laja Devi. Oh Goddess, please bless me by leaving me for a while, <laughs> so my shyness disappears and I can have a glimpse at the beauty of the son of Nanda Maharaj. Because that comes and she's not like he's just looking down. He, he because some other brajavasis are there and so on. So this type of expression here over and over again. But again, the senses of the gopis want to run towards Krishna because Admandriya Krishna Driya Priti Chadhari Premanam. Their senses only exist for the sense enjoyment of Krishna, which is totally desireless and, and selfless. Mm-hmm. That's one of the meanings of the name Gopi also. What is, Gopi we also connected with Gupt or Gupta to hide, they hide their bow. But also Gopi means what? What does it mean Gopa? The etymology, Gopa. Okay, and Go also can mean? Senses. So Gopa means the one who protects the senses, and Gopi means the ones who protects the senses. Whose senses? Krishna's senses. So how do they protect Krishna's senses? By giving their own senses for his own sense enjoyment. That's a way of saying he's pre- they are protecting Krishna's senses by engaging them always in loving interaction in the context of prem. Remember, please never misunderstood this as ordinary <laughs> exploitation. Hmm? So it is said that as soon as Krishna is, is, is throwing this kataksha mokshim, is releasing this sidelong glance, the gopi feel all these obstacles of shyness and so on will be banished forever. Hmm? So this is the, the, the deep purport of the word moksha here, of releasing. Not only Krishna releases the sidelong glance, but the gopis will be released from their shyness when re- receiving that 
Silent glance. There are many in Brindavan. The idea they have they they are after moksha, but it's another type of moksha. <laughs> they are after mukti. No, one name of Krishna is Mukunda. No, and Mukunda has many meanings. He who has a face like the Kunda flower, Mukha Kunda, he who grants mukti. But in the context of Brindavan and the gopis, Krishna is Mukunda. He's who gives liberation, which means. He who frees the gopis of all obstacles, and some of the obstacles are their shyness, or some of the obstacles are know, some ornaments that Krishna will take for a more intimate connection, and so on. So different ways of calling him Mukunda. So, so it is say that of course this idea of anurakta kataksha moksha applies in both directions. Not only Krishna is releasing loving silent glances to the gopis, but the gopis at the same time. Are cannot avoid to reciprocate accordingly when Laja Devi allows that, when the goddess of shyness allows it. Sometimes she rather to say that she's so so shy, but at the same time she's so attracted to look at Krishna that she's creating always some excuses. Sometimes she's walking with a pearl necklace and suddenly she, when, when nobody's looking, like she bro- she breaks the pearl necklace and throws it to the ground. Oh, and she starts to pick all the pearls and while picking the pearls she's, she's releasing some sidelong glances to Krishna. <laughs> or, or also she has like a, a jeweled necklace here which kind of reflects what's on the other side. So sometimes she's like looking down. And by looking down she's having a reflection of Krishna looking to him. In the and Krishna is doing the same similarly. Sometimes it's described that the, her two nails also are so transparent that she can have a reflection of Krishna. So different ways in which the charas describe different ways, devices in which they are releasing these loving glances to one another. So as I mentioned before, interestingly in this verse, the gopis are not using the verb to see, drishta, not to see, but they are using the word nipita, which means to drink, regarding to drink this sight, to drink this, this situation, this scene, this darshan. And again, how? Anurakta kataksha moksha. By, by these affectionate silent glances, one is one is able to drink that basically. I mean, they are they are throwing that to Krishna, and through that those loving glances, again go back to the first point we mentioned today. You know, samadhi you cannot see with these eyes. You can only see with the eyes of affection. So anurakta kataksha moksha, silent glances which are totally surcharged with affection, and that's why the, how the gopis are drinking because seeing the verb seeing has more to do in this case with these eyes, but here we, the gopis are not seeing, they are drinking, they are having darshan, another word for sure. And of course we know when the gopis are, not only the gopis for sure, I'm speaking the gopis, the gopis, because this is a section about them. So when they are, they having the chance of, of have darshan of Krishna somehow, still that's not enough as we know. And they start to experience some form of divine anxiety. No, like for example, start to criticize Brahma. Many many verses are there. The gopis criticizing the Creator. Like, what was Brahma thinking about when he made this body? No, he is only given two eyes. Two eyes. No, two eyes. Every species has two eyes. No, different animals have mostly, maybe some exception, but mostly, cows have two eyes. Horses have two eyes. The deer has two eyes. The dogs have two eyes. But we Brajavas is all, only have two eyes also. We, who love Krishna so much, 
and only twice he has given to us. I mean, like Gopistar too. No? And Brahma, on his, on his side, Brahma has eight eyes. No? He has four heads, eight eyes, but the eight eyes are all of them shut in meditation. <laughs> so he has eight eyes, but he's not using them. No? And we want to use our eyes to contemplate Krishna, and only two. You can imagine. And he gave like a thousand eyes to Indra. He has like more than a thousand. He's full of eyes. He said that every pore of Indra is an eye. Long story behind that. And what, what's Indra using those thousand eyes for? To contemplate the Apsaras dancing in Swargalok. That's the use of those thousand eyes. And we want to contemplate Krishna, Anurakta, with full love. Only two eyes. No, the more hungry a person is, sometimes you say, the more food the person requires. So the gopis are so hungry of drinking the beauty of Krishna, and only to eyes. It's like if you are dying of hunger and I give you one grain of rice. <laughs> say, okay, hope you survive. Here is your feast. And you're like, I'm worse than before now. <laughs> so the gopis say, this is unfair. Very similar to the famous verse of Rupa Goswami, Tunda Tanda Vinira Timbitanu Te Tundavali Labdhaye Karna Krodha Kadambini Gathayate Karnar Budivyas Priha Chetu Prangana Sangini Vijayate Sarvindriyanam Kritim Nojane Janitaki Advira Mritaya Krishnati Varnandai Sri Rupa said, oh, There is so much nectar in the, these two syllables, Krishna. I don't know how much nectar is here, but the only thing I can ask for when entering in touch with these syllables is thousands of, of, of years. I only have two years. It's such an unfair situation. I, I, I feel subjectively I need millions to properly honor this current. And thousands of tongues. One tongue to just say Krishna is not enough. I'm overflowing. My tongue is overflowing of nectar. My mind is collapsed. Guru Maharaj will say the Guru is in such a desperate situation. He's asking us help. Two, I only have two ears. Give me your ears, the Guru will say. Lend me your ears as an extension of mine. Pay attention. <laughs> Lend your your tongue. Inquire properly. Harikata. Ah, some relief. Thank you so much. Now, guru is a desperate situation. Transcendentally speaking. No? So the gopis here similarly. No? We are so hungry, so much longing, and only two, ears, two eyes. This is like, I mean... And they start basically to insult Brahma, the highest being in the whole universe. <laughs> And the gopis can insult Brahma, nothing is happening. Brahma is just bash, ba bashful, you say, like a shame, like, oh my God. <laughs> and on top of that, if that's not enough, eyelids. <laughs> oh my God. Only two eyes, and with curtains that are down and up, down and up. It's like, oh, how can I, what, what, Brahma should retire, he's too old now. <laughs> he's too old for the job. He should take a rest. Go to Madhavan, accept Banaprasta, remain the forest somewhere, but no longer designing these bodies. He's, he's lost some inspiration. Uh, these eyelids, I mean, when, whenever we, we, we blink, the gopis, as we know, Yugaitam Nimeshana, we experience a blinking of the eye like a yuga. It's like, stop seeing the object of our love. Try to imagine what must it mean to love Krishna, to have someone like Krishna in front of you with the type of love that the Brajavasis have, that combination, perfect object of love and perfect love. And a blinking in between. <laughs> That's like the greatest injustice in the universe, basically. And of course, sometimes poetically to say that the gopis are in such a desperate condition, two eyes, 
with eyelids, with blinking, that Krishna say, I have to reciprocate in some way, and he appears in the form of Jagannath, with big eyes and no eyelids, just <laughs> looking at the gopis without interruption. Here I am, here I am for you. Somehow trying to assist you in this situation. <laughs> so Mahaprabhu, similarly, Mahaprabhu in Gambira, in his last days, he was lamenting in this same mood. Like basically, extremely ecstatically saying, those who have eyes, but whose eyes have not contemplated the moon face, face of Krishna, those eyes are useless, basically. He spoke strongly, like their hearts, their heads should be struck with thunderbolt or something like that. What's the purpose of that life of those uses? You have to understand, he's speaking from, from what he is seeing and understanding. This is the purpose of having eyes. Again, it's not with these eyes, but it's a way of putting them. I mean, the sight function is to converge in the perfect object of vision. It's not just having eyes for something else, to distract ourselves and so on. And every sense has the same corresponding hmm, similar goal. Hmm. Hmm. So, one side, this is one of the another interpretation of, of, of this verse. No? Sri Radha is speaking or, 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 or Sakis who, who are after Krishna's darshan, the group is present here, who want to see that face, who drink, want to drink that face uninterruptedly, especially after hearing the flute. So that's one level of meaning. We will unfold a little bit more. But also we have another layer of meaning which is connected to the Manjaris, who are Sri Radha's maidservants. They do not want to see Krishna's face alone. They want to see Krishna's face, but next to another face. <laughs> they want to see Krishna's face for sure. There's Taivabis Madhurya Bhav for Krishna, but for Krishna alone with someone else next to him. <laughs> no? Sri Radha. For their, for their eyes, the perfection of vision is to drink the combined beauty of Sri Radha and Krishna. Radha, Krishna, Pranamora, Jugala, Kishore. Jivanam Marani Rati Anunahimor sings Naratandas. Radha Krishna Pranamora Jugala Krishna. This pair, this divine couple, is the, the all in all for me, my life and soul. In life and in death, they are my Istadev. The two of them, not one nor the other. Because sometimes I've seen the Buddha in the name of Radha Dasyam and loyalty to Sri Radha. I, say, oh, I don't want to speak oh, that Krishna, I don't like it. It's not like that. I mean, do you think that Sri Radha will be happy that hearing you saying that <laughs> you are to be quite engaged trying to facilitate their, their union and their meeting, not just abusing Krishna or something? <laughs> but again, the mood of the Mandras, and I want to enter, in, I don't want to enter into the details of that because it, that's another topic altogether in one sense. But it's not direct union with Krishna, it's not to be on equal terms with Sri Radha and, and, and sometimes uh, enjoy romantic meetings with Krishna. but famous prayer by Sri Das Goswami. He said, Oh Sri Radha, I want just to be your dasi, to have the pleasure of the fortune of serving your feet. And if you offer friendship to me, with you, on equal terms, Namostu, namostu, nityam. I perpetually offer my pranam to that friendship. Like, obeisance is at certain distance. It's not my aspiration. Dasyaya timamara sostu rasostu satyam. I find rasa, really, I promise satyam, 
in Dasya. That's what we call Radha Dasyam, the Manjari, Manjari Bhava or Bhavalasrati. So just to conclude, in the, and, and mostly in this, in the context of Madhurya Rasa and what the Bhagavatam uh, shows, of course, overtly the Bhagavatam is not clearly promoting Manjari Bhava. It's not speaking in detail about that, but it's, it is implied for those who have the eyes to see. And so in this Madhurya Rasa sections of the Bhagavatam, uh, it shows how to relish, for example, in this particular verse, how to relish the sound of Krishna's flute by following two different modes. By following the mode of Sri Radha herself, or those who have direct union with Krishna, as we have been speaking now, how those gopis hanker to see that face, and, and more than seeing just the face of Krishna, as we know. But also, as an implication of that, the mood of the manjaris, who are the servants, the maid servants of Sri Radha. So, and the commentators have given importance to to understanding these different verses which are in the Madhurya Rasa section according to these two varieties. So all the verses in Benu Gita, in other words, can be relished from this particular two vantage point of view mainly. Of course, in a general way, also regarding to other Rasas, but since we are in Benu Gita, it's Madhurya Rasa section, it's mostly directed by the Acharyas to those two varieties of Madhurya Bhav. So again, the general meaning of the verse can be applied to every inhabitant of Raj. No? Because, as the gopis themselves say, no? oh, this is the face of Krishna Balaram, for anyone who has eyes, this is the perfection. So all the Rajavasis will say, we have eyes. <laughs> and we agree, that's the perfection for us. Jashwada will agree, Madhu Mangal will, everyone will agree. Raktak, Patrak. But going to the specifics of this section, this the mood of this section, which is Madhurya Bhav, Mostly these verses can be read in these two moods, you know, like Saki Bhav, hmm? hmm? like Shirada or, 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 or someone in that, in that particular situation saying, Bhaktram Rajesa Sutayo Anabhenujusam. So Anu, Anu also means, uh, Ana can mean Anabhenujusam. He's constantly playing the flute, Ana, constantly. But also Anu, Samachara say, means behind. So in this case, refers to from these two. Brajesa Sutayo, these two brothers, the one who is behind, we are attracted to the face of that one. And the one who is behind is Krishna. He's like the younger brother. In that sense, it's described, he's the one behind. So he's walking behind his elder brother, behind Daoji. So that's the, the interpretation of, of the Saki We want the face of that one who is walking behind his elder brother. We are focusing on him. But Manjari Bhav, this verse also speaks about Manjari Bhav. So I would like to finish today's explanation by sharing how this verse points to Manjari Bhav. Because overtly it's not speaking about that. So how how this happens. So there is a, this comes from a very interesting commentary made by Srinath Chakrabarti. Again, he's a guru of Kavi Karnapur, the author of Gorganadesh Deepika and other works, poetic works. So he has a commentary called Chaitanya Matamanjus. So here, he will point that this verse actually is, can be uh, a vision that the manjaris are having of Sri Radha and Krishna, which is the perfection of their eyes. The perfection of the manjaris are to have Radha and Krishna together. So how this happens, how, how they interpret the Sanskrit in such a way for that to be the conclusion. <laughs> 
So interestingly, he, he starts saying, okay, Bhaktram Brajesa Sutayo. So Brajesa Sutayo, which was the meaning of that? The sons of the kings, of the king of Braj. So, so he says, <laughs> Srinath Chakravarti says, but actually there are two kings in Braj. <laughs> There's not only one king. One is Nanda Maharaj, but other is Vishwavanu Raj. The two of them are Raj, are kings, and the two of them are in Vrindavan. The, both of them have many cows, and to be a king, I mean, they are kings in a Baisya sense. They are not kings like Yudhisthira Maharaj. They are kings of the cowherd community, as much as you can be a king. And the more cows you have, the more king you are. Something that will be like the criteria. So both have lots of cows. Both are known as Raj, as Maharaj. Even if you say that Nanda Maharaj has more wealth than Nanda, Vrishabhanu uh, Maharaj has more wealth than Nanda Maharaj. It is in one section of the Bhagavatam that Nanda Maharaj was concerned about how to reciprocate to all the gifts that Vrishabhanu Maharaj gave him. Because he thought, I don't have as, as, as much as, as he gave me. <laughs> so if you want to call someone king, well, Vishwamana may come first even. So at least you have to include him in the list of, of the kings of Raj. So this verse is speaking about the sons of the kings of Raj. So who are the, the, the sons of the kings of Raj? Radha and Krishna. Of course, one could say, well, one son of, of Vishwamana is Sridham. But, so we can speak about Sridham and Krishna. Srinath Chakravarti is saying, Brajesa Sutayo. Brajesa Suta, Suta means son, male, but Suta, like with long A, can be female also. So he, he makes an explanation of the Sankri in such, in such a way that if you combine Brajesa Suta with Brajesa Suta with long and short A, you have a male and a female one. So the male song of the king of Raj is Krishna, and the female chill child of the other king of Raj is Sri Radha. So basically he's... And if you put the two together, it's Sutayo, as, as it appears in the verb, which is plural. So that's one first part of the, his explanation. He's speaking about... This verse speaking about Radha and Krishna. <laughs> and the manjaris are longing for that union. But someone may ask, well, but the verse also speaks that Pashun... No, it's describing they are they are in the forest with animals, implying the cows. And you never see Radha and Krishna together with cows and going cow herding. That's another dynamics, no, with the gopas. So how do we accommodate the presence of animals in that particular scene? No, they are not walking together with cows. No? So it, Srinath Chakravarti say no. Actually, the animals depicted here are the animals. Of dol the, 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 the illustrations of dolphins and other animals that are painted in the faces of Radha and Krishna. They, they decorate each other by drawing different animal designs in their faces. So those are the animals that are accompanying them in the forest, basically. And then the verse says, Bayashya, which means friends, and they are with friends of the same age. So that also can apply to, the, to other Sakis and Manjaris. Or you can even extend that in certain situations to the Narmasakas, which which may be private to that situation. But there may be one last argument still. We may have someone really argumentative in the audience. <laughs> Say, but the verse Anubenu Justam is saying that they are playing the flutes. And it's it's, it's, it's it's in plural. So they are playing the flute. So how 
it's Krishna the one who plays the flute. What's this idea of Sri Radha playing flute as well? So Srinath Chakravarti will say, well, Anu, Anu means, can, can also mean after. You know, Sanskrit lends itself to so many interpretations, and we are so fortunate that these words are in Sanskrit, because if they are in English or Spanish, you cannot just like do all the things that the Acharyas are doing with each word. So Anu means after. So he explains, Anu Venu means that after Krishna is playing his flute, Srirada will take the flute herself and challenge him. Now I will play the flute. So she starts playing the flute herself. Like competition begins. And she plays some ragas and like kind of more upgraded version. And Krishna said, now it's my turn. So he will start to play. And they are like increasing, not like reaching a higher and higher and higher expression. And Shurada will say, now it's my turn. And they are like very intense, deep competition, playing the flute, playing the flute. So it is said that at one point, Krishna is playing the flute. And at one point, actually Radha has another flute. So the two of them. No, because at one point of the competition, it's not enough. Like, okay, you play and I wait. Now it's my turn. At one point, it's like, I take another flute and, and it's like <laughs> full competition at, on the spot. No? So it is said that Sri Radha starts to play in, in, on, a level, on, on another level. No? I mean, Krishna plays on another level, but Sri Radha starts to, like, to go beyond the beyond, degrees of infinity, <laughs> to defeat Krishna, basically. No? So it is said that Krishna continues playing, but at the same time he's hearing what Sri Radha is playing. He's being defeated, and she's playing in such an inspired way. We mentioned something like that the other day. So he starts to, he's playing and hearing, and hearing and not playing so much. And he starts to play slower, and slower, and he just at one point just becomes totally like mesmerized, hearing rather flute playing, and faber glassed And at one point, the flute falls from Kristen's hand. But he doesn't realize that. So he continues with the hands like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like whistling, no? <laughs> but the flute is not <laughs> But he doesn't realize that. That's the point. No? He reaches that point. No? Like we spoke the other day with the Radha Ramandit in Vrindavan. You will never see Radha. Almost never. Sometimes, but generally, he doesn't have the flute. So one of the explanations is in this connection. Like he's like, he thinks he has the flute. <laughs> He thinks he's playing, but he's just like lost and found you know, in, in Radha's darshan. And so there is one line from Srila Rupa Goswami in relation to this, this Lila. Srila Rupa will say, All glories to the silent flute playing of Sri Krishna. <laughs> you know? That's the highest flute playing of Sri Krishna. The one that you cannot hear anymore in anything, and something else is, is happening. So in this way, Srinath Chakravarti is saying, So in this way, all these births can be seen from the perspective of the manjaris who are contemplating Radha and Krishna together in the forest, this flute competition, and so another layer of that. Again, this vision has not happened yet in Lila, because remember, we are here in Purvarag, so there has not been yet the first official meeting among between Radha and Krishna. But the manjaris are there, the longing is there in Radha's heart, so the longing is there in the manjaris, like, this has to happen. That's the vision, the darshan they are longing for. Virata is longing for that from her particular point of view, and the manjuris are longing for 
that particular darshan that corresponds with what Radha means. So this is the ideal of the manjaris. Again, Radha and Krishna, Pranamur, Jugal, Kishore. Hmm? So basically, that will be the meaning of, of this verse. You know, to have the darshan of those two faces, going back to the manjari vision, Radha and Krishna hmm, entering the, the forest together, accompanied, decorated by different animals, accompanied by friends, hmm, playing the flute in this unique way. To drink such darshan, that's the perfection of the eggs. So the manjaris are thinking, we have to make this happen. I mean, this is the perfection of the eye, but it has not happened yet in Lila. So all this is like creating the tension, like impulsing more and more, creating the moment. It has to happen. It has to. So Yoga Maya is creating the this dynamic. So gradually the momentum is reached for all that to to, to be real in the in the Rasa Lila and so on. So we'll finish here today, but again, in the next verse, it's kind of connected because the Gopis will continue speaking in Parokshavad through indirect speech about Krishna Balaram <laughs> on some level again, around about Ram Krishna. But again, in this way, allowing Sri Baladeva also to honor and serve Madhurya Bhav by being the perfect reason or excuse for diluting the attention of the whole of Vrindavan and for them to continue expressing their love in an indirect and hidden way. So that's a very unique way in which also Sri Balaram is, is assisting. So Sri Balaram Ki Jai, Sri Dauji Gopal Ki So we will finish today and I will introduce one Pranam Mantra that I will offer, generally I offer at the end of the, at the, of the different Gitas Many of them we already have seen in Spanish, but not all of them in English, just for you to know. Uh, and this is a mantra, which is the last mantra that appears, Pranam Mantra, which Uddhava recites when he's leaving Vrindavan. Before Uddhava is leaving Vrindavan, after going through all that he went through and remaining 10 months, as Raghunadas Goswami says in Braj, and becoming totally affected and transformed by the association of the Brajavasis, he recites six verses, famous ones, called the Uddhava Gita also. The section in the 11th canto also is called Uddhava Gita, but these six verses also are called Uddhava Gita. And this is the last one of these six verses, which is basically the last thing that Uddhava is saying before leaving Braj and returning to Krishna in Mathura. So, the verse says, Bande Nanda Brajasrinam Padarenum Abhikshnasaha so basically, I, I will choose to close every session with this mantra because the meaning is the following. Buddha said, Bande Nanda Brajastrinam. Bande, I offer my pranam to the Bande Nanda Brajastrinam, the ladies of the Kaur village of Nanda, again, to the gopis. Bande Nanda Brajastrinam, Padarenum Abhikshna Saha. Which... Uh, Lotus, the, the das, who's, the, the, I offer perpetually, Saha means perpetually, and Padarenum means the das of the lotus feet. So I perpetually offer, repeatedly, perpetually offer pranam to the das of the lotus feet of the Braja Gopis. That's the first part. And the second part says, Yasam Harikatot Gitam Punati Bhuvanatriyam, whose Harikata is so powerful that has the, the potential to, to enlighten the three worlds. Whose kirtan, whose song, so it's a very fit pranam mantra for closing every section of the bhatam, which has to do with the songs of the gopis with their harikata. In this way, 
boot up this living branch and we are putting our session to rest also by invoking that sacred uh, offering of pranam by Sriman Uda Mahasai and we see each other in the day after tomorrow I think and we will continue with the next verse Sila Gurudev Ki Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Adinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Sri Sri Krishna Valaram Ki Jai Dantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Sri Benu Gita Ki Jai Gaur Bhaktar Dinda Ki Jai Gaur Pramanan Ki Jai